D-O-L-D, Bold Perceptions is back. I'm actually the only one on the pod in America. Uh, Nick and Jake are out in Mexico. This is the first time I've done it, you know, alone in the country. So I don't know if I feel like uh, like a fugitive or if I'm some sort of hero or an American guy. I don't know. But we got a fellow American on the podcast today. Very, very interesting guy. I can't believe I didn't think of getting him on earlier. Tyler, how are we doing? Uh, doing good, man. Uh, thanks, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I'm gonna jump in and say, pardon any beer burps that might happen throughout the course of our conversation. I, uh, I am drinking uh, some Blue Moon Light Skies. I don't know if you've had Light Skies yet. It's kind of Blue Moon's take on like a, a runner's beer, uh, light, low carb, low calorie beer. So you can put them down, but the burps are are for sure there. So just want to preface that. Hey, no, that's completely okay. And you actually noticed that I was getting uh, very innovative. I myself have red wine in a red solo. It's kind <laughs> of like, uh, I'm not sure what the comparison for that is. It's like maybe like Bitcoin in uh, on like a flip phone, like you're managing your Bitcoin on a flip phone. I don't know. Hey, you can do it. You can actually send Bitcoin transactions through radio waves. So it's a, a, a large... Um, portion of bitcoin pushback uh amongst other things which i'm sure we'll get into has been uh well what happens and it's a ridiculous critique it's what happens if um you know the internet goes out uh or or something stupid like that um and bitcoiners are very uh you know (laughs) they they're innovative in ways that you can't even begin to imagine some of the brightest minds in computer science and cryptography um and and macroeconomics Sorry about that. No, it's okay. I, I wanted to. Pre- it's a good opportunity to preface this. Um, anybody listening, if you do not hear four words that you don't know, I'm dead serious. Venmo me. I'll Venmo you ten dollars. I'll personally guarantee it. This guy's vocab is literally out of this galaxy. Um, and secondly, I just want to say, Tyler is an old, a very old coworker. Um, we have worked at a startup together a while ago. And it just hit me the other day, looking at his Twitter, um, how intellectual and articulate he is with just these cosmic crazy constructs, kind of. I mean, you're uh, you're quite the thinker. You're quite the talker. So I have no idea where this is going to go. This is why I got my red wine and my red solo. But why don't you uh, kind of introduce yourself with the runner's blue moon there, Ty? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Kind of jumped into things off the back because I was excited about sending Bitcoin over radio waves. Um, but as, a, as an introduction, um, you know, I, I, as George mentioned, I'm a uh, old coworker, old, old coworker. Um, uh, been a couple places since working uh, with Geo. I'm going to call you Geo. Well, how about that? Um, but I went to the University of Minnesota, uh, studied applied economics uh, for my bachelor degree, uh, jumped right into my master's in applied economics, um, kind of like with no time in between, just kind of jumped right into it. And from there, uh, without finishing my master's degree, I went to work for a company called Bank U, uh, B-A-N-Q-U. It's an odd name, um, but they are a 
blockchain as a service uh, enterprise blockchain company, which, you know, that B word is certainly thrown out, uh, out there quite often as a buzzword. Um, it certainly, you know, helped in our marketing materials. Um, but I, I spent two years there and what that company effectively does is they connect uh, low income individuals around the world with the brands that empower them. So the brands that buy from them. So if you are a barley farmer in Uganda and you sell your barley to Anheuser-Busch, um, that's where our software stepped in and kind of connected that farmer to the brand. Uh, so there is a digital history of those payments going out to that mother farmer uh, living on $2 a day. And the whole goal was so that farmer can then have a digital record of all their transactions um, for the first time ever can go to a bank and say, hey, you know, can you please bank me? Can I now take out a loan? Here's who I am in the formal economic system. I can prove myself. Uh, that was kind of the gist of the whole business. Very cool, which means you've, of course, done some traveling. We'll get into that. Yeah, yeah, uh, for sure. And yeah, you're kind of a, you're kind of a renegade because I feel like the industries you've worked in, they're not, they're not, by no means are they underground, but they're almost like they're before their time, I think. Um, and I think that you've gotten into crypto. You've been into crypto for a while, right? You've been into Bitcoin for a while here. Yeah, yeah. And that's, um, yeah. So, so Bank U was a blockchain company. There was no cryptocurrency component to it. It was literally just a, a shared ledger um, that we would kind of install for, for these big brands. Um, so I did have the opportunity to go to a bunch of different countries and implement this technology in really cool ways. Um, and it was a startup. So, you know, I was the fifth or sixth employee outside of the founding team um, and got to experience, you know, alongside kind of a new and budding industry uh, at the same time, how, you know, the inner workings of a startup work. I got to see it go through a series, a funding round. Um, I got to see our team expand, which was super cool. So, yeah, I mean, I do think that the solution looking back on it probably could have been, you know, done in Google sheets, honestly, um, blockchain is, is such a hyped up buzzword. Um, and, and so is cryptocurrency. And we can get into that. I, I rarely use the phrase cryptocurrency. Um, I think the, you know, there's a difference between big brother. Um, and I don't mean that in the government sense. I just mean that in the, uh, the way Bitcoin has kind of established itself as the mature, uh, asset in the cryptocurrency space. You know, it, it has a majority of the market cap. It has been there for 12 years. Um, it's chugging along and then really it's unstoppable at this point, at this point, we can go into that stuff later, but yeah, I mean the, the shit coin casino, uh, all these different, you know, geo coin, Tyler coin, you, you can mint up whatever cryptocurrency you want now and try to trade it on exchanges for, you know, get catch price swings and make money as a trader and all that stuff. But it's, um, if, if you really get down to brass tacks and you want a um, kind of a global currency, an asset that can't be confiscated, a digital gold per se. Um, you know, it, Bitcoin is different things to different people, but it's certainly king. Um, so, so yeah, I, I kind of left that whole blockchain crypto arena um, after quitting my job this summer in June um, for a variety of different reasons, and now I'm, I'm committing myself more whole in a wholesome way uh, to to the greater Bitcoin space, you could say. Okay. Okay. I like what I'm hearing. And um, obviously, I know blockchain will be a kind of take a drink when you hear it buzzword. But yeah, I want to sure. rewind here. Um, and just kind of dumb it down for the listeners. I don't know, you know, how involved 
all of you listening are in crypto or Bitcoin specifically. Um, but I thought it was interesting. I really was not very involved um, before I started talking to you about it. So I found it interesting that it was literally created. It was created in Japan, right? By an unnamed <laughs> character, literally just out of thin air. How did this happen? What's the birth of Bitcoin? How is it growing? Just walk us through this and try to keep it digestible. Totally. Like yeah, yeah. for sure. Red, no, no. red wine. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so, yeah. Um, so, actually, this is really cool. Um, it's November 4th right now. I don't know if, if this is that cool to say the date we record on. Um, but the anniversary of kind of Bitcoin being put out into the wild was actually October 31st. It was Halloween 2008. Uh, right kind of after the financial crisis had rocked um, rocked the world in 2008, um, a pseudonymous individual named Satoshi Nakamoto um, posted to a cypherpunk internet forum uh, his sketchings, his initial draw up wireframe of what would be Bitcoin um, on Halloween 2008. So it was just over 12 years ago the name might suggest a Japanese or, or Southeast Asian origin um, for all intents and purposes, digging through the forums, people speculate that it was a computer scientist, possibly in the UK, uh, possibly in the United States. Um, but it was, I do not believe Japanese, um, but he, she, or they, we don't know who it is. That's kind of part of the, the magic and why Bitcoin works so well. Um, there's no, it's not a company. Uh, it has no CEO. There are no shareholders. Um, it is decentralized by design. Um, and Bitcoin was really released into the wild from a functional standpoint, uh, January 9th, I believe, of 2009. So a couple months after that Halloween um, posting uh, to to the Bitcoin Talk Internet Forum, I think it was Bitcoin Talk. I need to get like my Bitcoin archaeology. Uh, I need to brush up on that. But uh, 2009, January, early January 2009 is when the network kicked off. And what it really was is something that the world hadn't seen up until that point. Um, it was a, a system for transferring value between individuals that um, really required no third party, no government, no bank to step in and approve the transaction or facilitate the transaction. Uh, you can send value. Uh, from me to you, it'd be like me handing you a hundred dollar bill. Um, and you could be in Australia and I could be in the United States and you can do it in, you know, in near instantaneously um, through the communication medium known as the internet, uh, which is like mind blowing. And, and um, it solved a bunch of other unique problems in computer science, uh, the double spend problem. So digital currency has been around, the idea of it has been around for quite some time. Um, but nobody was really up until Satoshi Nakamoto really able to put the pieces together in a way that, you know, makes it verifiable, makes it accurate um, in, in the way that Satoshi did by instituting what is, you know, referred to as the blockchain or, or I like to think of it as a time chain is really what it is. Um, a ledger that both you and I can access. And, and, you know, if I give, if I only have a hundred dollars and I give it to you, I can't then go, spend that same $100 somewhere else. Uh, we have a shared ledger between us and then you can't double spend that money. Um, what that, instituting that, putting that out into the wild with the timing of coming right after the financial crisis um, was really just 
you know, incredible. Um, and it continues to blow my mind every day. We are now, you know, we are now 12 years after the fact and Bitcoin right now is trading at $14,100. Um, it has like a $275 billion market cap. Um, and again, pure organic growth. We don't know who the founder is. Um, really just, just insane. That is, that's absolutely insane. And I, I, I'm impressed with your, uh, your historical knowledge, you know, not only the nomenclature, but the dates, you got it all, you know, do you have a tattooed on your forearm? Is that what you're reading off of? Or? <laughs> no, I actually have the, uh, so when Satoshi released um, his schematics for, for Bitcoin, he, um, he laid it out in what's called a white paper. Uh, so, you know, it was nine pages and I actually have the whole white paper framed out on my wall. So I look at it from time to time. Um, but that's, that's how he laid out the initial um, kind of schematics for, for the Bitcoin network. Okay. I see. He, they, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Just like we say he Satoshi, um, I think in the forums, he references himself as a him. So I just want to like, you know, people are always like, it could be a group of people. You never know. It might not just be one guy. It could be like a, a group going under the name of Satoshi. So huh. the mysteries uh, out there. That is a mystery. That is a mystery. And I, I just think it's interesting because I think the, the concept of currency in general is it's an interesting development going back to when, like back in the old, old, old days, I'm talking like, God, it's gotta be like the Roman empire. I don't know for sure. What oh, yeah. but I mean, think about like, you got a block of gold that's worth a thousand dollars and you could not trade, like you can't split your gold up into a thousand pieces. And that's why they created, you know, paper currency. So you can right. make these smaller purchases. Um, but this is interesting because you, you still can split it up. Right. But there's no third party. Totally. Yeah. So that, that's a great point and a great observation. And the smallest unit of a Bitcoin is called a Satoshi uh, in homage to uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. But, you know, right now, $1 will buy you, I think, 6,900 Satoshis. So people always say, you know, Bitcoin's $14,000. It's way too expensive. Um, you can buy a fraction of a Bitcoin. People do it all the time. I, I have my auto buy set to buy a hundred bucks every Monday morning. Really? hundred bucks. Yeah. Where do so, you buy this thing? If there's no third party, where are you getting, where are you getting these Satoshis? Uh, from, so market makers, right? Exchanges have popped up, um, especially over the last couple of years. Obviously 2017 was crazy. Bitcoin hit $20,000 in price and everybody and their mother was, was wanting to get in. Um, but there are, you know, cash app, if you have the cash app, you can buy Bitcoin on the cash app. Um, it's what I use. Uh, and then I, I also, after a period of time, I'll then take my Bitcoin off of the cash app and put it on, um, a USB device that I have in my own house. So like, it's, it's me owning my own money. It's like akin to putting, you know, cash underneath your mattress. Um, but just in a digital format. And then there's a whole other rabbit hole you could go down with securing your own funds. But there was something you mentioned earlier that I really want to hit on. So like money, right? Uh, Nick Zabo, who many people think is Satoshi, uh, he created uh, um, Bitgold, I think it was. God, I might be getting this wrong. He created Bitgold in 2005 or something like that. Um, and he's referenced in the white paper, I think. <laughs> um, and he has this great essay. Maybe the essay was posted in 2005 uh, called Shelling Out. It's about the origins of money. And you go, he goes back and looks at early civilizations and what they used as a store of value, whether it be shells or beads or, you know, eventually up to, to gold. And um, what, you know, what they served, what their purpose was. And it's either 
a store of value. So something that you can keep your value in um, a medium of exchange, something that you can give to somebody in exchange for something else um, or a unit of account, what you can measure things by. So, you know, a whole rabbit roasted rabbit was maybe five shells. Um, if I want to, if my tribe, me and my tribe, if I want to keep, you know, if they had vaults back in the day and they wanted to keep their tribe's money secure, they might store shells somewhere that they could use to trade other places. So money serves three purposes in that respect. And he does a really good job in this essay of breaking down the origins of money and then how we have, um, we collectively, like globally, not just the United States, have kind of strayed away from what true money is. Um, you know, we went off the gold standard in 1971, uh, money printers fired up. And ever since then, <laughs> our ever expanding balance sheet at the US uh, Federal Reserve is just, it's crazy. I mean, with COVID, right? It's the fiscal stimulus packages, everything printing, you know, trillions of dollars. It's you know, what is it backed by? Well, well, now you have some of the world's best economists literally saying, um, like, it's backed by our faith in the dollar. It's backed by maybe the military, which is a pretty, you know, dystopic thing to say. Um, whereas Bitcoin built into the protocol, there will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin ever created. That's what Satoshi laid out in the code. That is how it is, right? So you can't just print more of it to devalue it, which is pretty crazy. And I was just going to say, did he set that up knowing that, I mean, obviously there's the issue where when you print more money, it devalues the dollar. I mean, it's, it's easier to get. So it just drops in value. That's just the way it is. Did he set that limit at 21 million strictly for that reason? Um, I think so. I think so. That's, you know, I don't know if he was more of a libertarian Austrian economic type that really believed in the gold standard. And so he tried to emulate his, um, digital currency off of, of the gold standard. But I think 21 million, the number is arbitrary. It could be 1 million, you know, it could be 50 million. Um, just so long as the core principle of more can't be created uh, is in place, which is really, really interesting. And it's so cool that it's like, you know, it's like digital real estate, right? You can't print more land. That's why real estate is, has value. Um, partially why real estate has value. You can't just print more Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin is mined through a very specific um, energy intensive process and you can't just adjust the protocol on a whim to to say one day maybe well maybe there should be 25 million bitcoins out in circulation instead of 21 um, that's just not going to happen do you think okay so you just kind of left open the possibility of the 25 million jump or were you saying there's no way they're going to go to 25 million um there there's i don't think there's any way so um yeah, the core protocol in the code, there's 21 million. And, you know, you can, um, the Bitcoin network is fascinating because as users of Bitcoin, sure, you can like buy some on the cash app, hope it goes up in price and then cash out, right? Um, if you want to be like a speculative 20 year old in America that doesn't need Bitcoin. Um, but as a money, if you, you use it as a savings technology, which I personally do, 95% of my net worth is in Bitcoin. Really? I'm not a, yeah, I'm not ashamed to say that either. I think it was wow. the best wor the best money the world's ever seen. Why? Um, but I, this quick, why do you think that? And well, for, that so early? Because if 95% of your net savings is Bitcoin, that means mm -hmm. you saw something that really sparked your eye right away. You're a smart guy. You can analyze shit quick. What made you like, yeah. get on that right away? Um. 
dude it's you know and it wasn't like right away i i saw bitcoin when i first bought in was at you know a price where i was like okay this is really interesting i was then working at bank you so it was only within the past three years and i'm like okay we're off of our 2017 twenty thousand dollar craziness but it's not going away um, it's not dying right there's actually a website called bitcoinobituaries.com where every headline whether it's whatever mainstream media news outlet says bitcoin's dying it's just posted to the obituaries page like not dead yet not dead <laughs> yet uh it's not going away and, and and it has this use case that is it's just a phenomenal store of value it is gold 2.0 and more um it is finite so it's scarce it's digital you can it's divisible. Uh, it's a store of value. It's global. Uh, so no, you know, there's no government sanctions that can be put on it. Um, it's just hard to stop. And as users, you can verify the total supply. I run a Bitcoin node from my house and I'm actually in the process of building another one. Um, and at any time I can access my Bitcoin node and really only super technical people do this. Um, you don't have to run a Bitcoin node. I would encourage you to, if you like Bitcoin, um, but I can access my node in my terminal on my Mac and give it commands and check the real time supply of Bitcoin that's being mined. And I can check uh, my transactions. So if I get an incoming Bitcoin transaction, I can like check that it's valid. Um, it is, it is a monetary policy that is so transparent it's the best money in the world um so yeah and it, it's volatile as shit which is why it scares people right, <laughs> right? like it's fourteen thousand right now it could be ten thousand tomorrow morning you know that's fine <laughs> i mean you know you have to have a very low time preference um to to have you know that conviction and and hold through um through you know price swings like that so what what the hell could happen if it's so oh man i'm trying to think of a way to say this if it's so you know finite and obviously it's divisible like you said but if it's such a sure thing and you can you know split it up all these which ways what would make it go from 14,000 to 10,000 dollars in a worth um you have people around the world or institutions that hold a lot that want to, they need to liquidate for some reason. They need US dollars or whatever currency, they, wherever they're located, they need that liquidity. So they might sell um, market conditions, right? So, you know, we're, we're on a presidential election right now. I have it on my TV in the background. If, if a certain can, I mean, you know, let's say, let's say Biden pulls it out. If you were to tweet some negative shit about Bitcoin, you know, it would affect the price. It's just like, that's how market conditions work. Um, so it's, you know, it, 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 it is a necessary evil for something to be volatile. If it went up into the right and was on a steady growth pattern, it'd be too good to be true. Uh, and you need volatility. You need to shake out the weak hands. Um, for every person that's buying like me at a price like 14,000, there are people selling. Uh, I just have conviction and I think it's going to go up in price because I, I, I think that what's happening around the world from a macroeconomic perspective is just crazy. And I, I have faith that something like Bitcoin is going to be there to disrupt it. Um, and on the other side of the coin, people are selling because they you know, have a short time preference. So it, it's going to go up and down. Um, but if you look at it from a 12 year time horizon perspective, I mean, when we were working at Revolving Networks, it was like 700 bucks and <laughs> now it's $14,000. So over time, if you really have a low time preference, if you're not looking for those quick gains, if you're, if you use it as a savings technology, um, 
my personal belief is that it would be very, very fruitful to do so. And I'm, I'm putting my money where my mouth is literally. So. Are you, uh, you actually might be the guy that created it. What's his name again? Satoshi Nakamoto. I'm certainly not. I do not, <laughs> I do not code and there are far way smarter people than me in the Bitcoin space that I, you know, I, I feel bad even, I should preface this with, with the listeners. You go read about the, the Bitcoin history. I'm, my dates are probably wrong. Uh, but in general, what I'm saying is is correct, um, just in terms of when it was released, why it was released, uh, all that stuff. So, yeah, it's it's fascinating, man. It is um, is part of my like day to day life. I think it's crazy, um, and, and it, for way different reasons than your average, you know, frat bro that wants to buy some to sell it in a week because it goes up. Um, I think it's very instrumental for. Um, evading capital controls in a country so like i was talking to you about earlier um if it, let's say like argentina puts a their government puts a capital control on their country and you can only take you know 500 argentine pesos out of the country per week that's like fucking scary that's some 1984 type shit uh so you you see argentine nationals put their assets into bitcoin because they can move it around and they know it's more secure than their own currency so like it might be volatile and crazy price fluctuation relative to the U.S. dollar, but to a lot of other currencies around the world, it is the stable currency, um, and it's only getting bigger and stronger. Um, so, you know, I have this personal conviction, and, and we don't have to riff the whole show on Bitcoin, but that's I, you know, I encourage anybody listening to really, you know, do a deep dive. Don't just go on YouTube and watch like a twenty-minute um, video, but like you know, slowly drip it into your you know, if you're interested in it. Um, DM me or something and we can get to contact info later, but you know, I'm happy to point you to, to helpful resources. No, absolutely. And so I forgot to tell you before we got on here, one of the things we do is we, we have a connect post with uh, everybody that comes on. And so you oh, cool. be accessible to, you know, anybody that listens and um, you might be the Bitcoin God after today. I mean, I, I, I honestly don't <laughs> even want to stop riffing. I got, I got one more. I'm going to limit myself to one more question here. Um, no, go for it. Go for it. So I would take it then that, you know, okay, so Argentina, for example, I didn't know that there was such a hard, explicit stop on how much money you could withdraw or take out of the country. And yeah, my numbers might be off and it might not be in place now. It was certainly a thing within the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, yeah, continue. Well, so I assume then that Bitcoin would be the most popular in, you know, highly regulated countries. Is that, is that a fair assumption? Totally fair. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's yeah that's exactly it um you know turkey um right now is hitting all-time highs um bitcoin price wise over in turkey um so we're just really fortunate in the u.s to have the dollars like the world reserve currency so like we're we are obviously fortunate enough where our our dollar has a lot of purchasing power but um bitcoin relative to other currencies is smashing new all-time highs and continues to do so every day um so yeah, it's pretty pretty nuts. That is nuts. I mean, obviously, this goes into something what we wanted to talk about. Um, the fact that there was like an individual creator for that, mm -hmm. just crazy. And that was back in 08, right? So what, is that yeah. Obama in office? Uh, it would, yeah, it would have been just upon Obama's inauguration, I believe. Push to Obama. Um, no, 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 no. But one year in, because... Um, no, no, it would have been around inauguration oh. time. Sorry, I'm yeah. getting my, my dates mixed up. He well, kind of inherited the whole uh, financial conundrum. Yeah, no, no kidding. And I mean, 
I'm uh, I'm just thinking like that was a while ago. Like I mean, of course we were very advanced with technology by then, but you you think it's only 12 years later, and everything mm-hmm. seems so much different. And I feel yeah. like Bitcoin was just before its freaking time in that regard. Regard, excuse me, that's the wine. Um, and it just gets me thinking, like, what is next? Like, especially with mm-hmm. the rise of individual creators and, you know, right. biotech and artificial intelligence. Like, what do you see in the future that could be compared to Bitcoin or just anything in that realm? Yeah. No, it's a really good um, – that's a, a good topic and a good segue. And I would say, you know, it's more so – instead of Satoshi, I think Satoshi had this vision for a – a currency that um, was not under the control of any third party government, bank, whatever. Um, and, and it's obviously, it's alive and well, it's doing good. Um, 99.98% uptime during 12 years um, with no venture capital backing, no CEO, et cetera, all the things we went through before. So so what, what that enables now, um, and there are great resources on this as well, but what, what that enables, um, is the independent individual creator that can now take payments in Bitcoin. Um, you, you know, if, if you are um, a sex worker, for example, you might be censored from a lot of platforms. There are a lot of uh, porn stars that are actually very big Bitcoin advocates because PayPal will censor you if you're a sex worker, if you, you know, um, if you do porn and that's how you make a living, um, there might be a chance where PayPal won't let your payments go through. Uh, Bitcoin, there is no, there is no great arbiter of what is a good payment versus a bad payment. Um, it's like water, right? Um, you can drink water, I can drink water, uh, a serial killer can drink water. It's just a resource. A uh, Bitcoin is much the same, which frightens people, but it's true. I mean, it's a, it's like cash, right? Um, so when you have something, a payment mechanism that is like that, censorship resistant, you get a lot of individual creators now with the freedom to produce content, um, produce services, produce goods, and be paid for such in a, a way that is truly independent, which is really, really cool. That is really, really cool. And I was just thinking, so with all these UFO, UFO sightings, I'm sure you're in tune with this stuff. If I were to be an alien and I'm coming down to earth and I'm making some sort of deal with some almighty Illuminati type guy, I mean, I'm I'm getting paid in Bitcoin, right? I don't need everybody knowing about my transaction. I'm asking for Bitcoin. Or maybe they have like this uh, fifth dimensional Bitcoin type of thing. I don't know. Alien coin. But what uh, so what kind of individual creators are, like which industries? You, you mentioned the sex industry, mm-hmm. uh, sex worker industry, which obviously that is going on. People won't talk about it. The big news won't talk about it, but it's, it's obviously going on. For of, sure, yeah. yeah. Um, what other industries kind of rely on Bitcoin, would you say, or people in specific? So industries um, could be, or industries or people or populations, segments of, sorry, beer, beer people that uh, could use Bitcoin. So you have um, sex workers, right? Refugees, um, displaced people, people who are living under communist regimes or socialist regi- regimes, uh, countries where the economic situation is just shit, like Venezuela. Um, you know, the use cases kind of can bend and morph to whatever you need Bitcoin for. Um, Putting on, you know, a U.S. only lens, uh, we have publicly traded companies here in the United States that are putting Bitcoin on their balance sheet. So um, the company MicroStrategy uh, 
bought $450 million worth of Bitcoin um, earlier this business quarter um, with the cash they had on hand, which is fucking crazy. Um, so you see it, you know, you see these, these tech CEOs that kind of look at Bitcoin and think, okay, I see the potential here. I'd rather have my, my company's cash assets uh, in Bitcoin rather than in cash because in cash and Michael Saylor, the CEO of MicroStrategy made this analogy. He goes, if you have cash on hand, well, inflation is 2% a year, right? That's what the Fed mandates as their target is 2% inflation. Um, he gave the analogy of it like his money is like an ice cube and it's just melting away sitting in his treasury. He'd rather, you know, have it um, in Bitcoin and, and that is going to be better, um, put him in a better position for success and longevity than having it in cash. So, you know, as opposed to taking it as payment, right? I mean, the dream for a lot of people in the crypto space is like buying a coffee or my happy hour beer in Bitcoin. Sure, like there's technologies that are going to enable that to happen. Um, some already do, but at the end of the day, um, right now, Bitcoin's strongest use case is really being that um, stable, uh, not stable, shit, uh, that, that store of value, dependable store of value, I would say. Um, with the caveat that it's volatile, but if you have you know low time preference and you can hold on to it, um, that's the pur purpose it serves. But if you need to move them up, but, but again, it's, it's whatever your problem is, right? If you're in Venezuela um, and you want to send money to a relative that's out of the country to help move your assets out of the country, you use Bitcoin to do that. Um, if you're a sex worker and you're getting censored from PayPal, you take Bitcoin as payment. Uh, if you are, you know, it, it's just like, it, it's crazy the amount of use cases that could be put forth to something like that. Um, if you're, if you're a journalist and if you are outside of mainstream media and you're covering shit crazy topics um, that might get censored, uh, you can certainly set up paywalls in Bitcoin and, and have your content be accessed that way. Um, so yeah, this <laughs> is really the world is Bitcoin's oyster, I would say in terms of use. If that makes sense. Absolutely. No, that's ridiculous. I didn't even think about that entire part of it. Um, cause I mean, at first when I'm thinking of Bitcoin, I'm just thinking of something that's fun. It's, it's like a fun new gadget, like a flashy 20th century thing. But now I'm thinking along the lines of all these industries that are made possible to be frugal for people working in them and not be censored. Right. Um, yeah. so that's, that's really cool to think about. And so I want to, I want to transition to obviously Bitcoin's birth was, you know, 2008, right yeah. after the recession. And um, just recently, another big, you know, event on planet Earth was the emergence of the coronavirus itself. And uh, yes, I think Bitcoin in itself changed the way things operated on Earth and what was possible. Mm -hmm. I think this virus changed a lot that we don't know about yet, especially in like the digital business world. Um, yeah. You know, infrastructure in general. I mean, what, what's your take on that? I'm going to open, I'm just going to open this up to you. You're, you're a few beers you, deep. You're in the zone now. I am a few beers deep. Yeah. Sorry about that. I did not mean to riff on Bitcoin for that long. I just, I, I think it's so fascinating and oh, I encourage. Got, I want to keep I, going, but we got, we got a lot. Of <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. But I encourage people to, to at least look into it, buy some, put some skin in the game. Um, so you can buy again, $10 worth. You don't have to buy a full Bitcoin. That is like a point that's lost on people. 
Um, so yeah, COVID, right? I mean, shit. I mean, so I've gone through my different phases of like how I think about COVID. Um, it, you know, it's fucked a lot of shit up for me, right? I mean, when I was working at BankU, um, it put stress in our company. Uh, I had to cancel a trip with my friends that we were going to take to Japan because of COVID. That's what I'm talking um, about. You invented Bitcoin. You're going to Japan. I knew it. <laughs> no, we were going to, it was going to be a fun trip. We couldn't do it. Um, my brother had COVID. Um, some other family members got it. Um, one right now, he's not doing so hot. Uh, he's in the hospital again, but he's in his nineties. So granted, you know, all of that. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's really, it's fucked up the economy, obviously. Um, and you could argue that maybe the government fucked up the economy and not the virus directly. Um, but what, and looking past all that, you know, looking past like the potential COVID conspiracy theories or like what, you know, how bad really is it? All, all this stuff. I mean, fundamentally, let's, if you want to get down to, okay, it's fun to speculate, but like what's going on. Um, I think that it's, it's really changed the way people work. And obviously like that's evident in like the rise of remote work. Everybody's on zoom now. Um, I mean, I'm starting in a new job actually on Monday um, for a company in the uh, cryptocurrency industry based on the East coast and they're headquartered out on the East coast. Well, they hired me uh, for a, a solutions engineer role and I'm going to be working for Minneapolis. That's totally cool now. I don't think that would have been the case a year ago. And, you know, they're wanting to set me up with like a monitor or a wireless keyboard and stuff that makes my work from home setup maybe that much better. Um, I think people have really gotten comfortable now with the idea of, you know, your workforce does not all have to be in one specific location. Um, and while that is scary, for a number of reasons, because why pay Tyler Campbell something? Um, why pay Why pay Tyler X wage when, if we're going remote anyways, you can pay somebody in India like ten times less the wage, right? Um, so it, sure, it's scary in that respect, but I, I also think that's a little bit of fear mongering. I do think like if you're a diligent um, HR department at a company that is doing really um, impactful stuff in tech. Um, you're not just going to outsource everything, right? There's still a vetting process. There's still an interview process. There's still like all these things you want somebody with the right culture, the right attitude, the right experience, the right, um, whether it's your like ability to interface with clients, all that stuff. Um, so the immediate thing is like, Oh my God, all these jobs are going to be outsourced to God knows where it's like, uh, I mean, maybe, but not yet, at least. I mean, so so there's that. Um, but also, I think it really encourages kind of a migration out of big cities, and I think we're seeing that sort of um, a little bit. And like, I love San Francisco. People like shit on it all the time because one, because it's like super liberal, and that's not people's jam or or some shit. But like, have, have you ever been there? It's super fucking awesome. Um, it's a fun city. It's beautiful too. Uh, so. In New York, I've never um, spent, you know, an extended amount of time in New York, but I would assume that's the same. So major metro areas, um, I think, might undergo like this labor shift, um, which I mean, I'd be curious to hear your thoughts about that, too. And we were in the Minneapolis metro region, right? Like, it's not necessarily a destination. 
Um, and it, but it's not like people are fleeing it either. But I think with remote work coming out of the whole COVID crisis, like moving to like Cheyenne, Wyoming, um, it is pretty attractive actually. Like, you know, being able to do your same line of work, um, whether it's, you know, as long as you can do it from a laptop, uh, just having a solid internet connection and just going and, and going west. I mean, that's kind of what, it's kind of what like, you know, our forefathers did, right? And just made their own. And it's like, we'd be rebranding that 2.0 style. Yeah, okay. So I did not actually think of that angle um, because I feel like I'm more of a guy. I, see, I miss the office a lot. I miss my coworkers. I miss oh, yeah. human interaction. So COVID in that regards has been tough on me. But what you're saying here, I didn't even think about this because like a more introverted person, why not go up to Cheyenne? Why not go to Yellowstone? Yeah, remote and crazy. No pun intended on the remote and just work remote and be looking at freaking mountain goats drinking (laughs) natural water. Like, I mean, mean, shit. Help people channel like what they truly want to do while still getting, you know, paid. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, but, but I also empathize with your point. So I, Sorry, beer burp. You can edit that out. <laughs> um, uh, or, or don't. I don't want to make your editing job hard. Um, so, but like I currently, I work for a startup down in the North Loop in Minneapolis, um, a healthcare focused startup. So it's nothing to do with Bitcoin, unfortunately. Although I have tried to convince our CEO to put our the cash we have on hand into Bitcoin. Um, but I'm doing that not from home. I actually work out of the uh, industrious co-working space um, down in the North Loop. It's actually the co-working space that I worked at um, when I was with BankU as well. So I've been at this awesome co-working space. It's like a WeWork, but way fucking better. And the being in the office is so powerful uh, for a number of reasons. Um, You could say like the free coffee and bagels is nice at a co-working space, but it's also, you know, you're interacting with people um i'm not in a room where my bed is right over there you know there's just a different way of a different mode of productivity that you hit when you're um on location per se so there is that balancing act yeah it would be nice to move somewhere like out of the city get in touch with nature chop a bunch of wood drink whiskey you know that sort of shit but like how real is that for people um so you know it's a balance to be struck for sure. But I do empathize at that point. Uh, and I've, uh, I've had to kind of fine tune my, my propensity towards wanting to be alone, you know, and I feel like I can mm. entertain myself a little better. I've taught myself a lot. I've learned a lot over COVID. I'm sure you have too. Um, and I mean, you got to look at it glass half full always, or at least try. And there has been a lot of positives to COVID. Of course, there's a lot of negatives. Um, I actually myself have had COVID. I got it from going to Chicago for St. Patty's Day, kind of reckless. Mm-hmm. And I speculate that I had it again recently after I actually went back to Chicago. So I'm two for two there. I uh, <laughs> went back to back like Michael Jordan in Chicago. But what, nice. uh, so what, is, what are your thoughts on just big businesses overall um, and the long-term effects of COVID from like a social standpoint? Like, do you think humans will become, this is just shot in the dark. I mean, I've mm-hmm. heard it before. Do you think this will start some sort of ripple effect where humans become more isolated and, you know, less sociable or their, you know, their social skills start eroding? Is there any of these thoughts in your head? 
You know, not really because like, I mean, Zoom and the like, uh, whatever your video conference software du jour is, it's not like, it's not a replacement for in-person contact, but you still have to, if your camera's on, you still, you know, interact with people um, over a different medium. So, and we're going to be going there anyways, it's 2020, right? Like, come on, you know, I, like I, ideally, even without COVID, we should be having like boardroom conferences with people in fucking China. Like it, it like the sci-fi lover in me is like, let's get there already. Um, and I, so I don't think, you know, we're going to, I don't think we're going to be losing any, um, any of the social norms and they're not going to deteriorate in the way people might think they will. Um, and I have a thought about that and we can talk about that in a second, but I did want to go back to companies, the way that they can think about the future after COVID. Um, so this is actually a really interesting business idea that I thought of recently as I do that idea Tuesday thing on Twitter. <laughs> like what's just a fun, stupid ass idea that could be funny. Well, let, I mean, me, let me just uh, give you some credit card. 40 <laughs> scratch and sniff menu. That's, that's sci-fi shit right there. That's that. Could uh -huh. be and I bet that does happen. You should probably TM that put some Bitcoin into it and boom. <laughs> exactly. Right. A menu at a nice restaurant. And I'm talking like the nice restaurants, right? Like you go to a supper club and the, like, you know, the places that are super fucking good when they only have like five things on the menu and you're like, Oh shit, this place knows what's up. Cause the lights are all dim, all that shit. If they had a scratch and sniff menu, literally like it would be game changing. So that's what, that was a fun one. Um, but I think vampire capital is what I call this idea. Vampire capital. It's a consultant firm that literally goes to large companies and helps them by sucking the blood out of their company as vampire capital. So you, you say, Hey, 80% of your workers are remote. Let's like cut the lease on this building and, you know, reduce your overhead costs. Like let's suck all the blood out of what you're doing right now to make you more efficient and lean for a COVID era, a post-COVID era type workplace. Um, I think, uh, yeah, consultant, a consultancy firm that really focuses on like, you know, making businesses more efficient in terms of having like a remote working workforce and all that stuff, I think could be really, really cool. Okay, vampire capitalism, you gotta, you gotta TM this now too. Is that gonna be on your Twitter thread next Tuesday? Yeah, Vampire Capital LLC. I will put it on the, I'll add it to the thread. Well, the, the other thing though about this whole COVID business, I mean, there's a ton of rumors and I mean, you know how mainstream media is these days. Like mm -hmm. you never know what you can believe, of course. But I mean, you would think that a vaccine is coming 2021. Um, yeah. But then, I mean, on the opposite side of things, I mean, you're a sci-fi guy, you're a forward thinking guy. What are the problems with the, a potential vaccine i mean because they're gonna have it you know you know what i'm getting at i'm teeing you up here <laughs> yeah no dude you know i'm i'm not an epidemiologist i'm not a doctor you know i i just i i don't okay so my whole thing with this from the jump has been like and i don't i don't you know I'm going to phrase this delicately because I don't, you know, there are people that certainly get impacted by COVID. Um, but like, I mean, you had Kim on the nutritionist. Um, you, you know, if she got COVID, I would bet all of my Bitcoin that she'd be fine in two weeks. Right. 
because she is fit and eats right and lives a lifestyle, gets a lot of vitamin D, does these things. It's like her immune system is firing on all cylinders. And let me jump um, in quick. Let me actually jump in while I have the opportunity. I've been thinking about this. Yeah. America as a country, it's no secret. We are very obese. We're very unhealthy. Right. Yeah, true. Unhealthy habits are glamorized. I don't know why. But I mean, I, I, I don't care what the scientists say. I think there's something to be said about the fact that we do all these unhealthy things in flux too. Like we don't True. moderate. I mean, there's things you can do. And I think we, oh, it, it's sugar. I mean, sugar is like the worst thing you could be addicted to. I mean, and, and Kim talked about this in your episode with her, you know, it's like, we stay away from, it's a fucking poison. That's what it is. Right. Like, I mean, can you ever just have one like little mini Reese's pieces? No, fuck no. You were going to have like 10. So it, it's so addicting. And, um, when you in the context context of COVID, where you have you know a disease that might be more um, pronounced in people with in poor health or lesser immune system or more obese individuals, I mean it's it's crazy that people's health and their own personal sovereignty when it comes to their health, it's just not viewed um, from you know, it's not taken as seriously as it should be. I mean, my brother got COVID. He's a division one athlete. He plays baseball for the university of Illinois. Like I knew when he got COVID, I'm like, Oh, Jake, that sucks. But I think you're going to be fine. All things considered, right? Like you have like 3% body fat and you work out all the time. I'm like, you're going to be fine. Um, it's scary. Sure. And of course there are outliers, right? Cause you get people jump in the mentions and be like, well, there was a 23 year old in Anchorage, Alaska that died. I'm like, okay, I get it. Sure. But uh, you know, on average, in aggregate, you know, personal sovereignty over your health, I think, and to, to, to go back to answering your question, um, I would focus on just those little life changes rather than the hopium that is uh, involved in hoping for a vaccine. So. And why, why does the media do that, by the way? Why do they need to fear monger and like point out, you know, like this young 20 year old died? I mean, what, why do they need to do that? So the optimistic view, um, is that they're trying to spread awareness, which I get. Um, the pessimistic view is that they they want clicks, um, and it's just it's views, right? I mean, it's profit driven. You know, uh, you could have an article about eating healthy, or you could have an article about a 21 year old dying. What it's gonna what's gonna get more clicks? Like you know, <laughs> obviously the latter. So, so you know, at the end of the day, it is that it's clout. Um, so whatever you know, fuck that. I mean, if you're, if you, if you are really, if you are going to like CNN for your coronavirus updates, like, come on, <laughs> what, what the hell are you doing? Um, or, you know, or I'll say it, I mean, or the CDC, I mean, they've been, they've been fucked since the beginning, right? They like told people not to wear masks and then to wear masks. I mean, they're bending the knee to whatever, like, you know, publication, I'm sure, gives them the sauciest hot take. It's like, okay, well, what happened to like the objective individual, the person who can think for themselves and see like, okay, here's a representation of the data. I'm gonna internalize this. I'm gonna think, okay, being healthy, maybe getting enough sunlight, doing a couple pushups, going on runs. To, that These are all things that we should be doing outside of the COVID scare. But like now more than ever, you should really get your shit in order if you're an unhealthy person. I literally love everything you're saying right now. 
I, I mean, you, you, you're in control of your lifestyle. I don't want people to think that COVID should control you, that you should stay right. inside, that it's an excuse to lay on the couch. I mean, these are, you should be taking care of your health in the first place. And COVID yeah. should just reinforce that because you're right. You do see people like Kim probably not going to get harmed by COVID. Um, right. Any athlete probably not going to get harmed. I don't want to go too deep into this, but, but then, okay. And then the other point is, um, you know, the CDC, CNN, any news channel, I don't really think too many people know exactly what's going on. And I, I, I find it funny that the NFL this week, um, so I'm a Packers fan. Um, you're a Bears fan. Yep, that's right. I can't believe we haven't talked about this. But so AJ Dillon running back tests positive for COVID before the Vikings game last Sunday. They allow him to play, and their justification yeah. is they have found no evidence of on-field transmission in a sport. Oh, where I mean, dude, who is the not to cut you off, but to that point, like who the fucking uh, Dodgers player? that, like, goes out on the field and takes pictures of his team after he had to sit out the game for testing positive for COVID. And, like, where has that been this week in the news headlines? Like, have we have we seen other Dodgers players get tested positive? Like, I mean, maybe in due time, but, like, I don't know. It's just all – sorry, not to cut you off. And, again, I am on my, like, fifth <laughs> blue moon. But it's uh, it's, it's just crazy how – it's all clout driven, dude. It is clout driven bullshit. Um, it's a serious disease. Fucking get it. If you have had cancer in the past and you're immunocompromised, stay the fuck home. Even if you're not, stay home. Do what you can to like help your neighbor out. I get that whole public health component, but letting it control your life, your lives is a whole other aspect to it that is just should not happen. No, we're in agreement there. Trust me, we're in agreement. I mean, I think everybody's sick of it. And I mean, at this point, I get the whole mark of the beast conspiracy with the vaccine. I get, you know, Bill Gates side of the vaccine conspiracy. I, I'm willing to get that thing and just get my life back um, and be able to go anywhere I want. Um, and honestly, you still can, like you're saying. I mean, if you feel confident in your immune system, um, and in your, you know, life habits that make up your yeah. health, do whatever you want. But dude, I went down to Dallas, Texas. And at the end of August for an in-person Bitcoin conference, 250 plus attendees, Bitcoin people are like, dude, the hardcore Bitcoiners are like these like meat eating libertarian types that like gun owning, just like sovereign individuals. Right. And I was at this conference with like 250 of these guys and uh, guys and girls, men and women, and just people who are into Bitcoin. And uh, we, after the conference, like there was an after party and we went to the hotel bar and it was fucking awesome, dude. It was the first time in like months where I could interact with people at a bar. Nobody like probably irresponsible, but nobody gave a shit. Like (laughs) their masks were off. I was shaking hands with people. It was great. Not one single COVID positive case came out of that conference. Um, which, you know, maybe selection bias. I don't know. There's there Bitcoin people are typically pretty fit uh, individuals, at least at that conference. Um, people who like to take ownership over their lives, so they're not just going to be you know super obese. Um, and obviously, if you had a health uh, problem or immunodeficiency, you wouldn't be at a conference in the first place. But it was just refreshing to like see that type of interaction go on in August. 
No, that's actually really cool. And uh, that's funny because I feel like people generally think Bitcoin is some dark web thing uh, with like the generic South Park character, uh-huh. you know, hacker, yeah. like big and like fat, whatever. That's right. That everybody's all fit and has their life together. I'm not saying oh. not if you're not fit, you don't have your life together, of course. But um, it's just Dude, a, no, it's a thing to hear about that. It's a whole sovereign individual thing. It's ownership over your life. Um, a lot of Bitcoiners, prominent ones, are um, very into like fitness and um, do the carnivore diet, all these like things that, you know, or, or intermittent fasting or whatever, what have you. Like they're very, well, the whole, the whole idea of it though, uh, Geo is like a low time preference individual, right? If If you... If I think that one Bitcoin is going to be $100,000 five years from now, I want to live to see that. So what can I do now to make sure I live to see that? I can better myself and my health and and the way I consume and things like that. So, you know, having a low time preference in that respect is like a core ethos of like some really hardcore Bitcoiners in the space. And I I respect the shit out of it. So that's interesting um, because we may not get like social security our generation right uh maybe mm-hmm. 401ks who knows what's gonna happen yeah bitcoin i didn't even think about that angle either you're expanding my mind today um yeah because you want it to mature you want to hold on to it like you said it's not a very buy sell buy sell thing it's not an instant gratification thing um do you do you generally think that bitcoin will be around like 30 40 50 years what could go wrong i mean why why wouldn't it be oh. Dude, yeah, I totally think. I mean, it is it is the best money that the world has ever seen. Um, and you know, smarter people than I could talk about the security implications and why it's not going to be hacked. It never has been hacked. Um, exchanges are hacked, right? Because they're honeypots of Bitcoin. You could do that through a phishing email, um, but the actual protocol, uh, the Bitcoin protocol, has never been hacked. Um, so I'm just going to keep riffing if that's cool. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's, um, it's just my personal belief for like the longevity of Bitcoin and what maybe the risks that are, are um, present is one um, true nation state backlash in a coordinated effort to, um, you know, against Bitcoin. Right. So, if it truly was like an enemy of governments, at least in the West of like all of Europe and then the U S and Canada or whatever, like really outlawed Bitcoin, even though I'm struggling to think of like how they could do that. um, Commerce wise, maybe you could shut down like commercial entities from like keeping it on their balance sheet or accepting it as payment, but like it's peer to peer. Right. So I could still pay you for it or pay you for a good in Bitcoin. So like, it's hard to stop that from happening. Um, so maybe like a coordinated nation state attack, sure. Um, maybe if miners, the Bitcoin miners around the world collude, but that is also like unlikely given their different incentives. Um, like maybe like the most legitimate um, Bitcoin threat is quantum computing because a quantum computer could like in theory like solve um bitcoin hashes like miners do and like 
drain the supply. I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know. And that's like a very speculative thing. Like quantum computing is way, way far away. Maybe Google's experimenting somewhat with it, but like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that like, and just to reiterate, main threat to Bitcoin would be a coordinated nation state attack through blacklisting it. But again, that's going to be ineffective because it's peer to peer. So quantum computing is a whole other wormhole. Um, and I know I've been kind of getting into that stuff lately. I know you mentioned you're a sci-fi guy. Um, I think we're on the uh, precipice of some interesting times here, especially with the uh, yeah. you know, fall sightings. <laughs> yeah, some crazy, crazy bullshit's going on. Um, but, you know, I think the coolest thing, honestly, dude, yeah, not to be a broken record, but fuck it. That's the theme of the podcast today is dude, the coolest thing happening right now. The coolest technology happening right now is Bitcoin. Literally, it is the coolest fucking thing. There are so many different rabbit holes you can go down. I mean, my master's thesis at the University of Minnesota, which I'm still working on, hoping to complete uh in a month or so is about bitcoin mining and bitcoin mining is fucking crazy i mean when i was a fresh well it's how bitcoins are created so it's it it really should be called bitcoin minting um because mining makes you think that like you're mining for gold or whatever but uh, minting is really what it is and when i was like a freshman in college at the u you could like mine bitcoin off of your like your laptop right um but now it takes like warehouses full of these specialized computers to like mine bitcoin which is by design satoshi um coded this into the protocol like the difficulty um gets higher and higher as it the network becomes bigger um but what mining is basically and i'll put this really you know in an accessible fashion um the blockchain what is the blockchain well the blockchain is just a series of blocks of data transaction data so i give you money you give me money that transaction data is put into a block um and it's appended to like this big long ledger like an excel list that's just like millions of lines long um and every time a block gets added to that chain that is how like the network grows that's how things happen in the bitcoin network blocks are added to the chain about on average once every 10 minutes so once every 10 minutes, some miner around the world, uh, and miner is just a computer that's solving a, a really hard math problem. Uh, these miners, every 10 minutes, compete with each other around the world to solve a math problem. The first miner that solves the math problem gets to add that block of data to the Bitcoin blockchain. And their reward for doing so is newly minted Bitcoin. So that's where like the 21 million supply slowly drips into the ecosystem is these miners get it as a reward for adding onto the chain. And I, I know that that's probably a lot of word salad, but that's how miners operate. My whole master's thesis is then looking at um, how that process takes place um, in terms of energy consumption, because it does use a lot of energy. Um, so when, again, when I was a freshman, you could do it on a laptop. Now you need these big, like, specific mining rigs and these big operations and the thought is and there's a bunch of um, media articles a lot of mainstream media articles that are saying you know the bitcoin network is using up as much electricity as the whole country of denmark oh my god we need to shut it down um yes but that's for good reason right people value it um 
and my research is looking at what is the energy mix that's going into the Bitcoin mining. So are these miners in China and Iran and um, other countries, the US even, are they using coal power? Are they using hydroelectric power? Um, in some instances, there's actually flared natural gas that's being capped and used for Bitcoin mining, which is really, really cool use case. So my whole master's thesis is about Bitcoin being kind of a global buyer for energy, which is super fucking cool. Um, so yeah, just <laughs> wanted to mention that quick and get that out there. Cause I'm like, if you think about that, it's so, it's so crazy. Uh, Bitcoin mining is something that it's just like, like it's mind blowing, right? Like Satoshi put this into the protocol. Um, and it is so cool. It is so cool. I, I really think you're going to have a lot of people reaching out to you about Bitcoin after this. I'm telling you, I, uh, I mean, I'm texting you right after we're done. I mean, I actually, we're just going to stay on Zoom. I'm going to get rich off Bitcoin as we speak. But, <laughs> uh, no, so I. Uh, you're not going to get rich. If you buy Bitcoin, your grandchildren will be, be rich. That's the whole low time preference thing. But you know. if I take care of myself, you know, I start taking all Joel Rogan's on its shit. I'm going to preserve myself. I'm going to be, I'm going to be living old enough to uh, enjoy and reap the benefits of Bitcoin. Exactly. That's Citadel theory. That's like, if you get into the hardcore Bitcoin maximalists, like on Twitter, uh, these guys think that like, you know, Citadels will be a thing like Bitcoin Citadels in the year wow. 2070. Like, you know, they're going to have, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy and worth another conversation, but um, dude, the Bitcoin community is pretty fucking nuts. No, and I, I listened to you on uh, that Bitcoiners in the Wild podcast. Um, yeah. That kind of opened my mind to the Bitcoiners community. I didn't really know that this was, you know, a thing. And uh, oh, dude, it's... that you have mountains of knowledge of it. Yeah, I mean, that's mostly through just reading a bunch of articles, listening to a bunch of podcasts, doing a bunch of research. Um, and I'm not the one to like you know, I got an econ degree and then a master's degree. So like, you know, my friends from high school even text me and they'll be like, bro, like, what should I invest in? I'm like, I don't fucking know, whatever you want, gold or like maybe tech stocks. I'm a big believer in like investing in um, what I call like central nervous system companies. So like, like what's the central nervous system of tech today? Like, well, AWS, right? Amazon Web Services, Power most nearly every tech company. So like buy, invest in Amazon. Oh, that's like a pretty basic thing. But yeah, that's the type of investments I would suggest. And then also Bitcoin for like, and then you go down that whole rabbit hole and you just introduce people to like this concept of, holy shit, I can own my own value. And it's like, it just, it, it takes a lot of people for, for a spin, um, which is cool. Um, so you said the buzzword Amazon. I, I I wanted to bring this up. Um, we're probably gonna have to wrap up soon. I know you got dinner cooking, and honestly, I say this to all my guests, but this right here specifically with you, I think you have like three three hours left in the tank here on various topics. <laughs> Dude, I have I have I do have three hours left in the tank. I only have I have one beer left, so I'm good to go for another beer if you want. <laughs> okay, no, we'll go for another beer. That's like that's gonna be the measurement. Right. Can I dip to go to the bathroom? Is that cool? Yes, I just did so. Okay, you can you put an ad spot. I don't know what you got. Yeah, going no, on. we'll I'll do an right. ad spot here. We'll do an ad spot here. Cool, I'll be right back. Okay, all right, Ty. So, yeah. by the way, if I'm 
getting too lit or going off on way too many random topics, just let me know. <laughs> no, no, you're you're completely fine. You have not like stumbled over any words whatsoever. So you uh you've earned the right to be drinking these cool. beers. But I'm thinking we should uh okay, so we're at about I think we started at like six fifty. So we're at hour ten. Obviously yeah. we can't we don't have the clout to do the Joe Rogan three hour fest. Even though I, I think got you, I got you. But let's. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm trying to think of a good topic to wrap up with because I mean we left a lot on the table that we can come back to another time. So I honestly, guys, sure. I think a lot of people are gonna reach out to you about Bitcoin. I'm dead serious. <laughs> probably, probably. We've never had a crypto guy on, so this is this is good shit. Um, but I guess I don't know. So I mean, we can cut this whole conversation out right now. Oh, dude, no. What 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 we should hit on? Um, if you're cool, I would love to go off on socialism <laughs> i'm i'm such a big capitalist i'm such a big believer in capitalism we were just talking about amazon people hate jeff bezos I would, that's, that's bezos. what i was gonna ask you that's what i was gonna fucking oh, ask you. bro i i could talk for days about why jeff bezos should be deemed a hero and everyone saying eat the rich is a bunch of fucking assholes and okay, they don't know what okay. About. that's what we're gonna end on i'm gonna, <laughs> cool. I'm gonna you up right here okay okay all right ty so you said the buzzword amazon um and i listened to you on the bitcoiners in the wild pot oh we're gonna we're gonna mute that out. Just kidding, we're not. That's the ninetieth theory's head. Um, yeah, for sure. In Bitcoin value, but so you mentioned the Bezos hot topic on there, and that's like the big thing. We mentioned it earlier. The mainstream media, the younger generation, they're all putting their middle fingers up at these billionaires. I don't get it, mm-hmm. and I know you don't get it, and I know you have justification for it. So I'm just going to let you go here. I'm going to put the top <laughs> on the tee. You're going to step, step up to the plate, swing it. Dude, I, I'm glad you asked about this. Um, and, oh, my God, man. It's so misguided for several reasons. The hate against um, billionaires and the, the whole, like, anti-capitalism movement that's going on in the U.S. right now. And it, it's, you know, it, like, if you use a soundbite for promotional purposes for this pod, please have it be from this from this little segment because there is a lot of um, misinformation I think that, that goes on with people. So like, like I had a hinge match like not too long ago and uh, her like prompt on hinge. I don't know if you use hinge, you probably are, have like ladies swimming. Um, you're swimming in the ladies so you don't need dating apps. But this girl's post was like, or her prompt was like uh Something, something, eat the rich. And I'm like, why? And she just goes, fuck Jeff Bezos. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, what? Uh, and, you know, then I unmatched her because I didn't want to deal with that. But, um, so, right now, what's happening um, from a central bank perspective in the United States is that we are printing money at a rate that is unprecedented in U.S. history. Uh, we are printing money and it is going to those closest to the money spigot. That is large corporations like Amazon. That is called the Cantillon effect. The Cantillon effect is an economic term for when money is introduced into the economy and it uh, goes to certain people, um, certain business entities uh, in an uneven fashion. So it's, it's distribution is not even. We had the stimulus package of $1,200, uh, which at the time, if you invested into Bitcoin, would be worth double now. 
Um, but we had $1,200 come our way, still waiting on a second one. But businesses got PPP loans um, that are just like, for some fucking reason, like <laughs> you don't have to pay them back. Crazy shit like that. So when, when you are in debt, right, you either pay back the debt, you print more money, or you default. Um, we have obviously chosen to print more money. This money goes to corporations and they- The effect. effect. Yep. The Cantillon effect. Okay, the Cantillon effect. Soundbite, maybe. <laughs> this might be coming in edited. Uh, Cantillon effect. Cantillon effect is when money is uh, pumped through an economic system in an uneven or uh, unfair uh, manner. So like the distribution of money that's being pumped is going to a certain a set of individuals before it hits another set of individuals. That's exactly what's happening when we print money, um, with COVID or otherwise. Uh, PPP loans go out, corporations get bailed out. Um, but, you know, the common man, right? We get $1,200, um, give or take, depending on how many dependents you have or whatever. So, and we're still yet to get another stimulus package. So, really what's happening when you look at, at the facts of what's happening in the u.s economy from a macro perspective we are under a system of i'll call it socialism for um for the wealthy and capitalism for uh, everybody else of course that's going to make people think that capitalism is the enemy um, of course, the people are going to say, you know, eat the rich, right? They get all, I mean, they get everything and <laughs> we're getting nothing. Like, okay, we're, we're not living in true capitalism. So when you, when, when people say, fuck capitalism, fuck Jeff Bezos, eat the rich, like, okay, we need to like dissect that a couple times. Because first of all, like my last job at Bank U, we helped people around the world gain financial sovereignty um they for the first time in their lives had digital representation of their financial transactions and were able to take out loans guess what server system we used aws right so like we were dependent on amazon for that so like if, if you want to eat the rich so bad you better consider how much social net value jeff bezos and amazon have brought to the world so it's like it's a catch 22. Like I get it. People are jealous that he's a billionaire. So am I, but he also doesn't have a billion dollars sitting in his checking account, right? It's tied up in Amazon stock. If he sells the stock, then employees wages will go down. Um, not wages, but, um, their share value if they're early employees. So there's just like uh, so many trade-offs and there's so many levels to it. And when you consider the Cantillon effect and what's happening with governments bailing out companies, it's socialism for me, but not for thee. So like, right, you like, Gio and Tyler don't get um, that Cantillon effect happiness. We get the $1,200 stimulus. Um, it's just beer burp. You might have to edit that one out. <laughs> um, but it, it's just so misguided. Um, a lot of it is so misguided. Like, I mean, I see on Instagram all the time from friends, family members, whatever. I mean, I'm getting preached at constantly to vote. Sure. That's one thing. 
um, preached at constantly about um, race relations, which is another thing. And I empathize more with that than anything else. Um, but when I get preached at about capitalism and I've studied uh, economics and I, I understand what's going on in the system, I like can't handle that. I mean, people are so fundamentally misguided with what's going on. And, you know, uh, it just bothers me. It bothers me so much because like capitalism is, is what um, has advanced society. It's why we have the iPhone. Uh, it's why, you know, we're able to work remotely. I mean, it has brought us so much good in the world. Um, and you look at socialist regimes, communist regimes, you look at their populations, you look at what's happening. It's like, like it should not be this crazy uh, to think that capitalism is a good thing. And I think people are misinformed as to why it's bad. They think it's bad because what, what is really bad is socialism for our corporations, capitalism for our population. And that's just not <laughs> that I, I oh, if people were to say if people were to start getting mad at Amazon about um, or companies like Amazon and Jeff Bezos about the money they get from the government, that'd be one thing. But they're mad about these like ridiculous for, for these ridiculous reasons. And it's like, dude, what is going on? Like the people just don't get it. I don't know if that was making the point clear, um, but. That's no, what you, I you made the point clear. I mean, you clearly are a socialist. I understand. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, uh, oh, dude, it's just so, it's so tough. It's so tough. And I mean, it, like the whole communism, socialism thing, I get it on paper. It is great. And like, you know, I would love like that world is such a pie in the sky vision. And then, but what's discounted though is like the reality of it all um and when you have competition in markets you create better goods you advance technologies you advance um a bunch of you know innovation right i mean you it's necessary under a system of capitalism where free market competition is in play um it, it's even to be argued when you have monopolies and monopsonies right so like a monop a monopoly is obviously when there's only one seller of a good, right? They can control the price of that good. A monopsony is where there's only one buyer of a good. Um, so you could consider Amazon a monopsony uh, for employees. Like they're, they're like the largest buyer uh, in a given area of employees. So they might have wage setting power and shit like that. So it's like, I, I, but, but, it's just so it's such a complex issue and it, it's so much more than just eat the rich it's like what the fuck are you talking about those those people are rich because you can have the privilege to have an iphone <laughs> like, like chill out you know a little i didn't bit. even think of that part of it i mean if you if you next time i see eat the rich i'm just gonna simply ask that they give me their iphone that they are uh, stripped of their online shopping privilege right well it's like i mean it's like okay sure like like you can get mad about whatever you want to get mad about and i am not a fan of outrage culture but people love to get outraged and it's like okay well shouldn't you be outraged over like people exploiting children in africa so you can get the materials for your iphone well you should but here we are 
like you're not upset about that you're upset about some fucking you know no-name billionaire because eat the rich or whatever because it's it's in vogue and it's fashionable to do so and it's so stupid i mean take like a literal like seriously take a micro econ class macro econ class and just like fucking understand what's going on it's it's disappointing man it's your blood's boiling. Your blood's boiling. I didn't mean to get you so heated up. <laughs> but it's also the five beers. It is. No, it is. It's fine. I'm very hungry now. I'm gonna be making dinner and thinking about all this. But yeah, I mean, the whole hate on capitalism is really um, it's misguided in my opinion. We haven't seen true capitalism. That's why people don't like it. Um, because what people are seeing is socialism for the corporations and capitalism for the consumers. Um, so we need to fix capitalism. I 100% agree there. Um, but capitalism is not the enemy. So yeah, I mean, take that as face value <laughs> if you want. Boom. Now you got, uh, so I, I knew you were, you know, doing Bitcoin for your master's thesis, but I think you got another topic on the way now after that rant. I think, I think you're, uh, I think you're just going to be writing thesis papers for a long time here and selling them via Bitcoin, the, the Bitcoin network. I don't know. You got a lot See, of, you can say. <laughs> the goal is to maybe, you know what? I've been thinking about maybe even not doing my master's thesis, like fuck credentialism, right? Like, who says that just because somebody gives you a piece of paper that you're smarter than somebody else? I think that's bullshit. Um, I was naive four years ago when I thought that maybe a master's degree would be a good idea. Part of me just wants to like do my master's research and just publish it on my own website and say, here it is. Like, fuck it. Anybody can look at it, you know? Um, but yeah, the, I, the goal is to, yeah, do the mining research and then, write pieces like this and maybe an essay format and just put them on like my own website because i think it's really interesting and i feel like people will get value from them so you have your own website have you created one um i have haven't published anything yet though so it's it's a dead link right now i've yet to finish an essay because i've been job hunting job searching i actually started my own company in august um so I've been doing a lot of different shit. What the hell? Okay, why didn't we start out with this? <laughs> uh, well, because it's not it's not live really, and um, given the nature of my new employee, I don't or my new employer, I don't know if it will be live. Um, but it was just a consultancy service to help people help merchants um, accept Bitcoin as payment. I was just gonna like help them install a Bitcoin terminal. Monetizing a passion, love it. Exactly. Yes. Yes, for sure. Um, but, but, but I did get to go through the whole, like, here's how you incorporate, here's how you issue shares, here's how much, like, here, where do you want to register your business as like a, a Delaware LLC and all this shit. So it's, it's easier than people think, dude, people should start companies, fucking do it. <laughs> Try to extract. That might be the soundbite right there. Extract as much value as you can, right. From the economy, especially if you live in the United States, like what the fuck are you doing? Like if you live in the United States and can't figure out how to like drop ship and e-commerce, like just to make a little side hustle, like, come on. Like, exactly. <laughs> so, and you have a lot of time in the day, especially with COVID. I'm also going to be the peak of my blue moves. I need to go make my steak and just chill. Oh, you got it. You got to get to the kitchen. You're on the carnivore diet. We didn't get to that. We didn't get to, you know, LinkedIn, the individual creator. So I think we're going to have you back if that's okay with you. Cause I think this is good content <laughs> right here. 
but dude if you want me back that's that's uh i'm i'm honored obviously and privileged but uh but yeah sorry for crushing the beers and just getting into bitcoin that was like a way way too bitcoin intense podcast but um if any of the listeners do have questions please feel free to reach out to me um is it okay if i give contact information here absolutely go for it now or else we'll also have the connect post on the uh, instagram Totally cool. So, so um, Instagram is I can't even remember my Instagram handle. I'm sure you might put it in the show notes. My Twitter is uh, at clockwork under dash prior. Uh, just rewind the podcast and listen to that again if you didn't get it the first time. And uh, email is Bitcoin Projects with an X P R O J E X at gmail.com you have any questions happy to answer them for you or point you in the right direction um bitcoin or otherwise um if you start talking about like ripple or litecoin or some other shit coin i just won't respond but if you're seriously interested in looking at bitcoin or like you want to introduce it to a family member or something um i have experience in doing that um with boomers especially too and and, and like side note older people are actually more receptive than you might think, especially when you make the analogy to gold. So definitely keep that in mind, but feel free to reach out if you have any questions. I'm always here to answer and hopefully I appear uh, for another time uh, on the pod. This has been awesome. Boom. You just did my entire job for me. I don't even need to record an outro. Tyler Campbell stepping away with grace and, you know, generosity. <laughs> Welcome into your life. Network with the man. Clearly a smart fellow knows what he's doing. So hit him up and listen to Tyler Campbell part two in the interdimensional <laughs> near future. Thank you, everybody.